morning. Well, I've got to tell you, I'm so, I'm so grateful that several months ago someone made a request of me, asked me if I'd consider uh, preaching a set of sermons where I'd unpack what I would say are some of the most important lessons that I've learned in 39 years of being a pastor. What these years have taught me is most critical for us to, to do, to grow in our relationship with God and, and really to, to live the life in the fullest extent possible that God calls us to live. I'm, I'm grateful for being able to do this for two reasons. One, your response. It's just, it's been everything to me. It's been so affirmative uh, to hear your comments and what uh, these uh, sermons have meant in your own life. And then also, I love how God times things. And, and that is to, to do these set of sermons and then to be looking ahead at next year and uh, the 365 challenge that we're putting in front of all of us, uh, part of Brookside. And that's where we're going to, in 2016, we're going to, not only read through the Bible, but our goal is to read it every day. And I just see what we've been talking about these last few weeks and, and that, such a, such a strong connection between the two. So, so let's jump in. And, uh, and so if, if someone were to ask me, and by the way, let me, let me just say this. I'm covering a lot this morning. This is one of those Sundays that's going to be really helpful for you if you, if you take out the service program, uh, the bulletin. Hopefully you got one. And uh, we're in the notes section, because wh what I'm giving you there is everything I'm going to be talking about. I mean, not every word, but the, the main points of what we're going to cover, and it'll really help you to know where we're at and, um, and it, as I track through all of this. So, uh, if someone were to ask me, you know, what are, what are some of the most important lessons that I've learned over these years as I've, as I've walked through seasons of life with people, as I've as I've really been with many people as they've come to the end of their lives, I would say, in answer to that question, without question, uh, without any doubt, I would put finishing well, planning to finish well, right in the top five of must-do kinds of stuff that, that we've got we've to do in order for us to maximize the life that God has called each one of us to live, to really to be everything God created us and, and redeemed us to be, planning to finish well. And, and, and I would say this with emphasis on the word plan, because finishing well doesn't happen by accident. It's something that you've got to be intentional in, in planning to, to really, for it to happen. And so really, what we're talking about this morning is having a playbook for life, a playbook for finishing well, all right? But that, that's the whole context of what we're talking about. Now, right now, you might be sitting out in the audience, and you might be a middle school student or a high school student or in your 20s and your 30s, and you're saying, Steve, it sounds like what you're going to talk about this morning is that, that's distant future for me. Why would, I, why would I even begin thinking about the end, you know, finishing well in the end? Why would I even think about planning for that right now? And I'll just, I'll just say a few things about that. One of the things you realize when you get into your, uh, I don't know if I should say 50s, but when you get into your 60s and 70s, and, and Becky's mom would even say it at, at 90 years of age, uh, life goes so fast. And before you know it, you're right at that point where you're, you're, you're starting, you can start seeing the end, you know, and it, it, it's, I mean, it's a fast deal how quickly life goes. The other thing to understand is that what, what I'm talking about this morning is a, 
is a year-by-year kind of a deal. It's a, it's a decade-by-decade kind of a deal. Finishing, finishing well at the end of a year, finishing well at, at the end of a, of a decade. And so as I'm talking this morning, think in terms of, of years and, and decades. Uh, the other thing that I would say that is so true is that every decision, every choice that you and I make now, everything that we do now will have an impact on our lives 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And it's also true, it will have an impact what we, you know, what we value, what's important to us, what we do, what we don't do, will also have an impact on the lives of those who are the closest to us. And where this becomes most important is within our own home as parents. And so, really... Every single one of us, what, what I'm talking about this morning is very applicable, very, very important. Now, I, I, I want to add this, and I, I didn't think of this first service. I'm not a prophet, all right? So take this uh, for whatever it's worth. But I've been thinking a lot in the last month with what's going on in our world right now. We're in a different world than we were even a year ago, and especially five years ago. And the, the world is coming to America. And with ISIS and everything that's going on and the violence, uh, the terrorism that's happening, there's this, this, this little part of me where I'm beginning to wonder, you know, when is the end going to be? Maybe it might be a lot sooner than any one of us think. And, and life has become a lot, a, lot, a lot less predictable for us right now than it was even a year ago, two years ago. I think people are beginning to get the sense of that. Now, now let me just add this. One more thing. If, if you're here today and, and you're, you're saying, but, but Steve, I'm, I haven't even landed yet in my faith and what I believe about God and what I don't believe, I would, just, I would just say I think what I'm talking about here today, the principle and everything that goes with it to make that happen, I believe that you're going to find that it's valuable for your life wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, because it's so practical what we're talking about today. So what this does is we're in, we're in the sixth chapter of the Old Testament book of Daniel, and if this is your first time with us and the Bible's new to you, uh, just so, so you know, and you don't have to worry about finding it because we got all scripture uh, up here, but it's, it's an Old Testament book toward the end of the, of the Old Testament, so just let you know that. And Daniel now is in his 80s. So he's had eight decades walking with God. And I would say there's nothing better than seeing someone who's had a lifetime walking with God and doing it really well. And, and now in their, they're in their 70s or their 80s and their 90s, and, and they're not coasting. They're, they're into doing their very best. They're into it 100%. I cannot have enough time like someone with someone like this. Whenever I meet someone, I'm just like, man, who am I in the presence of right now? Well, today, that's the kind of person Daniel was. And so it's a real privilege to look at his life. So Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, we read this. And please, Darius, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, let me, let me give you the context of this statement that I just read. The Babylonian Empire has been conquered by the Medes and the Persians. 
Cyrus is the ruler of this new superpower, and he appoints Darius to rule over, over the empire he just conquered, the, the Babylonian Empire. And uh, the, the interesting thing about Darius is that history records that he was, a, he was uh, like this genius at administration. And this one verse is an example of this, where he, he sets up uh, 120 uh, satraps. And uh, the, the word literally means kingdom protector. And these men rule under him over the whole Babylonian empire. Their, 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 their job is to protect from rebellion, levy taxes, and really, in a sense, govern the entire, emp uh, the entire empire underneath, underneath Darius. And, uh, and then what he does is he puts three administrators over these 120 uh, satraps. And here we have Daniel. Once again, he's chosen to be one of these administrators. So he, he's gone from one empire superpower into another one, and he's in his 80s. I mean, I just, I love this. It's, here's an 80-year-old guy, and he's going full force. Now, I think it's really helpful to take a look back to see how Daniel got to where he's at right now in his life. And, and why I want to do that this morning is that it gives to us rule number one in Daniel's playbook for finishing well. So if you go back to the first chapter of the book of Daniel, you find there that Judah was conquered by the Babylonians. And once that happens, Daniel's life takes a shift that he could never have predicted would happen. He's, he's, he, along with, with a, a good number of the brightest and the best of, of the young men, and we're talking young, teenagers. So this was this is a big deal that was coming that Daniel was up against in his life right now. He's he's taken from his home. He's he's ripped out of all of that. He's taken to Babylon along with the brightest and the best of Judah. Now, you might ask yourself the question: Why did the Babylonians do this? And it, and really, they they were very strategic. What they were doing is they were taking these really sharp young men. They, would, they, they brought them to Babylon, and they indoctrinated them in the, in, the, in the gods that they believed in and the lifestyle that they lived, and then they made life the best that these guys have ever experienced. And so doing that, they, they, their, their guess, their hope was that they'd have their loyalty for a lifetime. Now, the thing to know about Daniel is that he graduated at the top of his class, and so of any, of any one of these guys, he had like the best and the brightest prospects for his future in the Babylonian Empire. But the thing I love about him is that, that it didn't change who he was. It didn't compromise his commitment to God. He, he raised his flag of loyalty to God high, and he never brought it down. This never changed in his life. Even at the height of his success years later, when, when he had the most to lose, Daniel never compromised in his commitment to God. And it's here we have rule number one for, plan, for finishing well. And it's this, do what's right and always trust God with the results. Do what's right and always trust God with the results. Let me, listen, everybody. It, it will not happen. You will not finish well if you're compromising now and saying, you know what, I'll do better some, in the future. I'll do better in the future. It'll never happen. You'll never finish well if you spend a lifetime of making excuses. Uh, this last week, I've a lifetime 
Uh, I saw this guy with a T-shirt on that I love what was written on it. In fact, I love this so much, I, I followed him to see if he'd consider selling it to me, but he, he didn't want to. But yeah, this is a statement. You can have results or excuses, not both. You get that? I mean, that's a writer downer, you know? You can, you can have results or excuses. You got to make a choice. Do I want to have results in my life? Do I want to really finish well in my life? Or do I want to make excuses all of my life? You see, you can't have both. To finish well, it's a, it's a lifelong pro- process of not making excuses, but making uh, and doing what's right, making the right choices and doing what's right. And you do that, you'll become a stronger, a better person. It, it'll just, it'll impact your life in a, in a very good, very important way. So do what's right and always trust God with the results. So the years go by. And as we, uh, as we saw last week, uh, Daniel's with Nebuchadnezzar when he was humbled. And then a few more years pass and Nebuchadnezzar dies and his son Belshazzar takes his place. And Belshazzar, out of his, his arrogance, decides that, that Daniel's not worth keeping around as his advisor. And so he, he gives him an early retirement and the years pass and Daniel's forgotten. Not only forgotten by Belshazzar, but you read the fifth chapter and you get the impression that he's forgotten by everybody in that, in that whole empire. It's, it, here was Daniel. He had, he, he had served underneath Nebuchadnezzar, second to Nebuchadnezzar himself, actually given responsibility to govern the entire Babel, uh, uh, province of Babylon. And then there, you have a change in king, and, and in one fell swoop, it's all over. It's all over. You know, it, it, it would seem like Daniel was a forgotten man. Forgotten by everybody. But here's the deal. It's so great. He was not forgotten by God. God knew everything that Daniel had done. Daniel was immensely valuable to God, and God continued to use him. In fact, God used Daniel in a way that went beyond anything he had ever done for the Babylonians. If you read Daniel chapter 7, In chapter 8, you see there that God gave Daniel visions of the future. His future and our future, even our future. Where God brings human history to an end and comes to this earth and establishes his eternal kingdom. Something that, that has had an impact on the spiritual lives of people for hundreds and hundreds of years as they have read those chapters in the book of Daniel. And when you think of what has value value, I think, I, I would say there's nothing more valuable than having an impact on the spiritual lives of other people. See, Daniel built his sense of worth on how God valued him, and because of this, he stayed the course in doing what's right. And I got to tell you, everybody, this is so important for us to understand and remember in our own lives. And so, gives us rule number two in our playbook for finishing well. Base your sense of worth on how God values well, uh, values you, okay? Now, I know this is, (laughs) I know this is key for us to finish well, and here's why. 
In my years of being a pastor, let me, let me give you some examples. I've had, I, I have had more than a few call, phone calls from people. I had one just recently, two weeks ago, from someone who called me to tell me they had just lost their job. Lost a job from a company that they had dedicated themselves to working for for many years. In a matter of minutes, it's over, and they're walked out the door. I've had phone calls from, from individuals who found out that their husband or their wife had been having an affair. And in, in, you know, in almost an in, <clears throat> in instance, they found out that the marriage that they had devoted their life to is over. And I know, I've had enough conversations. It just tears you down. It just makes you feel like, who am I? Do I have any value? I've had call from, calls from parents who, 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 to tell me that they found out that their son or their daughter rejected everything that they believe and, and what they've taught them through their years. And, and as a parent, they just look at themselves and they just say, man, I'm, what am I worth? What have I done through all these years? I can think of so many things that come into our lives where we feel like we're worthless, we've, we've been set aside, and, and everything that we've done doesn't have any value. And see, I mean, it, it almost always happens at some point in life. You run into something that tears you down, that makes you feel worthless inside. And all I can tell you, and I can tell you from personal experience, I've gone through that. I can tell you that it makes all the difference if you, if you base your sense of worth not on how other people value you, but on how God values you. It gives you confidence to trust God and to move forward in your life. You know that God can take that hard time and form his character in you. It just makes all the difference when you know that. Well, Daniel lived with confidence in this truth. And the day came when Belshazzar was forced to remember him and, and asked Daniel for help in the same way that his father had asked Daniel for help. But, but it was too late for Belshazzar. For too many years he had defied God. And, and so in one night, his kingdom is brought to an end as it's invaded by the Medes and the Persians, which, which brings us back to Daniel chapter 6. So Dan, Darius is, is ruling Babylon, he's, and he's chosen 120 satraps to rule under him. And all 120 satraps reporting to three administrators, one of which is Daniel. And Daniel does what he did in his 60-plus year career with the Babylonian Empire because of his skill and his wisdom and his dedication to do his absolute best, once again, Daniel stands out from everybody else. And so, once again, there's a promotion in the works for Daniel. And so we read this in chapter 6 and verse 3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Things are looking really good for Daniel. After years of faithfully serving and faithfully doing what's right, he's about to be promoted to the second highest position in one of the world's superpowers. I mean, this is a big time in his life. But as it turns out, it created a lot of trouble for Daniel because, and, and really becomes a, another test of his faith and, and his, his character and his commitment to God. Because what happens 
is what happens often. The people around him, his peers, his, the other two administrators become jealous of, of Daniel. And so they decide to, to take him down. And unfortunately, they had all 120 satraps with them against Daniel. And so this is, a, this is a really lousy deal for Daniel at a time when he had so much to gain in his life. A good thing for us, it gives to us rule number three on how to finish well. And it's this. This, this might be my favorite. It's be convinced that character matters. Be convinced it matters. And so in verse 4, we read this, and it's just a wonderful statement of Daniel. It says, at this, the administrators in the satraps tried to find grounds for, for charge against Daniel and his conduct of government, government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. I mean, get that. None. No corruption. Because he was trustworthy. Trustworthy. And neither corrupt nor negligent. Huh? This is who Daniel was. Integrity to the core. I mean, if there's anything you'd ever once said of yourself, this is it. What, what these men said that they found in Daniel. But it gets even better, right? I, I just love this. I think you'll love it. It says, finally, these men, they said, they're, they're having this conversation. They said, we're never going to find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God, in other words, we tried to dig up dirt on this guy and we found nothing. The only way we're going to be able to bring him down, get him, is if, it, if we can find something that he does that's connected to the God that he serves. I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, if you want to finish well, be this kind of person. And hear me on this, all right? Be this kind of person because it'll give you confidence like nothing else can give you confidence. It'll, it'll give you confidence because of the strength that it'll give inside of you. I mean, you, to the very core of who you are, you, you'll, just, I mean, you'll just have this sense of, you know, like, man, I can do it. You know, and, 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 and you'll know that there's, you have something that nobody can take away with you, away from you. Nobody can take it away from you. Oh, this is huge. So incredibly important. I mean, be convinced that character matters. You, you just do not want to miss that. It'll carry you for a lifetime. So here's, here's how all of this plays out. These two administrators and 120 satraps, they all know that Daniel prayed to his God. And so they said, that's it. That's the thing that we're going to use to get him. And so they go to Darius and they do some major sucking up. They, they, they say to him, oh, Darius, you're so amazing. You're so awesome. You're such a great king. You know what you should do? For 30 days, you should make a law that nobody can pray to any one of their gods except to you, Darius. And if they disobey, just throw them to the lions because they deserve it. And Darius falls for it. His eagle takes over. And he issues the decree. He, he, a decree. he, he puts it into writing. And, and anyone who doesn't do this this lion's lunch. But you know what? He had a problem. 
And it was a big problem. He set himself up to lose his best and his most trusted advisor. And we're going to see how. But first, the fourth lesson in finishing well. It's one we learned from what Darius did that he should not have done. In a few minutes, uh, we're going to be talking about a book that is my, like, my absolute favorite book in learning how to, how to read, how to study the Bible. It's a book called The Divine Mentor, and it's written, written by Wayne Cordero. And in that book, he tells us, you know, we have two kinds of mentors. We have mentors who do what's right and that honors God, that's wise, and, then we, and, and, and we learn from them what we should do. And then we have these other group of mentors who, who don't do what they should do, who do foolish things, things that are disobedient to God. And so we should learn what not to do from them. Darius is the second kind of a mentor here, all right? And, I mean, he had no right, no reason to make any kind of comparison between himself and God, but that's what he did. And he did it because his ego got in the way where he, he listened to what he wanted to, to listen to. Well, the good thing is he gives us rule number four for finishing well, and it's this. Welcome people to speak truth into your life. All right? Welcome people to speak truth into your life. It'll, it'll minimize you making bad decisions, and it'll maximize your ability to succeed in every aspect of life. And so Darius signs this edict, and what does Daniel do? He does what he's always done. I love this. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Any guesses? The best two parts of that verse? Well, the first one is this. It's the part that gives us rule number five in finishing well. It's this statement, just as he had done before. Man, I just, I just had this thought, you know, it just grabbed me. Here's this 80-plus-year-old guy on his knees praying, and he'd been doing that for who knows how many years. Man, that's a sight to see. It's absolutely beautiful. So here's the rule that it gives us, all right? It's this. What you do today determines what you do tomorrow. Okay? See, what you do today determines what you do tomorrow. See, I'm convinced that so much of Daniel's life was based on predecision. And this was true with prayer. He predecided at some point in his life, years before, that he's going to seek God three times a day. It's like he had this conversation with himself. I want to begin my day with God. I need to have time with God in the middle of the day. And by all means, I want to finish every day communicating with God in prayer. I want to depend on God in prayer. I want to grow close to God in prayer. Here's the deal, everybody. If you haven't predecided to be in communication with God every day, if you haven't predecided that, to build intimacy with God through prayer, to depend on God's strength through prayer, God's wisdom through prayer, if you haven't predecided that, it's not going to happen. 
got to have a predetermined plan to pray. Two more rules. Okay, then I'm done. All right, now hang with me because they're going to be fast. Okay, we'll be done. All right, so rule number six, and it comes from, from this same verse. It says, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, here it is, he got down on his knees and prayed. Got down on his knees to pray. Here's, here's the rule. Here it is. You'll to pray, and you'll have the strength to stand. You'll to pray, and you'll have the strength to stand. You know, the strength to stand when you face some of life's hardest challenges and, and most intense temptations that come your way. You'll to pray, and you'll have the strength to stand. Here's our final rule. And here's a good deal about this one. Brings us back to rule number one. It's like Daniel bookended his life with this one. It's do what's right and always trust God with the results. Here's what's so important to understand. Daniel didn't know the end of the story when he was in the middle of it. He just didn't. He had had no idea how it would end, none whatsoever. But he did know that for for these 80-plus years of his life, God had always been faithful to him. So no matter what happened, he would be faithful to God, period. No negotiating with God. No, no, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. None. If you've never read the sixth chapter of Daniel, you've got to read it. It's great. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, and poor Darius spends a night without any sleep. I love the irony of that. I bet Daniel's just snoring away, you know. See, we don't know all of what happened in that lion's den. We don't know that. All of what happened, but we do know what didn't happen. Daniel didn't become lunch for the lions. And Darius writes a decree when it's all over. In his own words, he said this, I issued a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and Reverence the God of Daniel, for he's the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Phenomenal. Daniel did right and it impacted a, a whole nation, an empire. And I just want to say to you this morning, and I believe with all of my heart, there could be one of you out here this morning, or two of you out here, or even more than that. You could change our nation someday. It's true. If Daniel did it then, it can happen now. It just, I mean, it just, it just excites me inside to think of that possibility. Listen, everybody, believe me on this. Don't underestimate what God can do through you. I guarantee you, live a life of doing what is right, and and God will work through you in amazing ways, ways you would never have dreamed. We each have our own world, don't we? Our homes, our, our, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, the classrooms we're in. I mean, we have our own worlds that we live in where we can make a difference. And then you come to the end of that sixth chapter. 
And we're told that Daniel prospered. He prospered during the reign of, of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. But here's the thing to know, everybody. Daniel had no guarantee how it would end. It could have ended for him. It could have ended for him in a lion's den, and Daniel still would have prospered. He would have prospered because he would have, in giving his life to God, he would have brought honor to God. He would have been faithful to God. He would have brought glory to God. And I can't think of anything more valuable than this. I mean, talk about thriving. This is thriving at its best. We can all have it. We can all have it. We can all have it if we plan to finish well. Well, I've, um, I'm excited about next year. What we're doing at 365. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking about it this week. In fact, a lot yesterday. Beck and I were talking in the evening and and she reminded me of a verse from the book of Romans in the 12th chapter that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I thought, well, that's it. You know, 2016 can be a transformational year in all of our lives. And I'm just hoping that we'll just have many, if not, you know, boy, I love everybody, coming on board with, with reading through the Bible, taking on this challenge, and not only reading through it, but but reading it every day. And so we've given you a plan. And uh, I've invited Kyle Cheatham to join me this morning. And uh, we're going to, Kyle, uh, Kyle's been in a, a small group of uh, guys with me for three years. And uh, he's now read through the Bible three times. But when he started, he didn't have a plan. And he'd never done it. So Kyle, why don't you just share your story, all right? Yeah, so right. Um, for many, many years, this was a major struggle for me. You know, I'd I, uh, I would be in the Bible sometimes many days in a row, and then I would miss chunks. And even the days where I was really consistent, if you would have said, what did you learn like yesterday from your time in the Word? I would have said, I, I think I was in like James chapter 2. You know, like, I don't know if you guys ever have those moments or if you feel that way at all. But I did not have a plan. I did not have a rhythm to things. And that really started to bother me when we have young kids now. And I, I grew up in a family where we didn't have a Bible in our house, right? So um, when I think about our own kids, I think, man, I want to... I want to have a different environment. I want to have a different culture that they're raised in. But it would frustrate me because I'd even hear like inspiring sermons from you and, and this idea of like, okay, I want, I want to be this person. But then what does it look like daily? I'd sometimes go to the Bible and maybe I'd read for five minutes or ten minutes or I didn't really have a plan, you know. And, and uh, three years ago when we read this book together, The Divine Mentor, um, it just really changed my life um, in a really powerful way. I love this book so much now that I've I literally buy cases of it, and when I go on trips, I give it to Uber drivers and, and clerks at hotels, and it's just changed my life that much. I remember talking to Jeff before the first service, and, and I said, what would you say if you're going to say one thing about this book? Huh. And he'd say, I, I think it's the most important book that I've ever read outside the Bible. Huh. So great to hear that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the reason why, because if we could, if, if for me, if I summarize this book with one word, it'd be the word plan. Yeah. Um, as he describes it in here, it's this idea that we, we have this vision, like we're here right now, and we have this vision, this target in our minds of we want to be this certain type of person that has a big impact on the world. We want to have families that, that just love God and families that prosper and thrive in every possible way. A lot of what you're talking about, this idea of Daniel this morning, we want that so badly, but then we look at where we're at and we think, how do we get there? What does that look like yeah. on a daily basis? 
And so the thing I loved about this is very early on in the book, he describes the process of when you go to the Bible, and, and, and you've done this now for this plan for us here, is we have about three chapters a day that we read, and the whole mindset of those 15 minutes or so that we're spending is we're not trying to become biblical scholars and understand the Greek and all this stuff about what we're reading. The whole point is one thing, and he makes it really clear. Just pick one verse. That's it. Just pick one verse and ask God to speak to you and say, God, please teach me through this verse how I can impact my family, how I can be a better leader. And uh, that process of just doing that daily, what he says that you develop over time, um, is at, at the end of a year, you literally have this little journal, this book. Um, and I, I think of it as kind of like your man book of wisdom, yeah. you know, yeah. as I'm not a big journaler. Um, but this changed my life because this idea of just processing what God was saying to me, it was a chance for me to have a rhythm with God, mm -hmm. to meet daily with him with a plan, right? And uh, that was just so, so important for me to have. And I remember when we started off and three years ago in the small group, right, there was this guy across the um, table from me. And I remember um, very early on in the process, like he would speak and I'd really want to listen. I was just glued to him, you know, and, and uh, I'd see him with his family and the way he carried himself. He just had this confidence and, and uh, he just had so much respect around him, you know. And, yeah. and I'd yeah. say, I, I love this guy. I want to be this guy. You know, he was, he was my oak in my mind, this mindset of, of wanting to become very similar to this guy. I feel um. so humble you talking about me <laughs> like that. It's just, Kyle, I just, just oh, be, no, I wasn't sitting across from you, Yeah, just to be clear, you, Steve's I? to my left. <laughs> this guy is, like, straight ahead. All right. Um, anyway. But I remember one time asking him, I, I said, this, not you, the, the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know, I get it. I said to him, like, how, how did you become like this? You know, like, how did you get mm. to be like this? And he was really humbled, and, and, and his response was, you know this whole thing we're talking about, like with the divine mentor, like daily going to God and just asking for one thing, and, and not trying to become a scholar, but just trying to apply one thing a day. Like, that's yeah. what I'm going to do, you know, I'm, and I'm going to pre-decide that's what I'm going to do, right? He, he said, you know that thing we're talking about? I said, yeah, and he said, um, he goes, I've been doing that for a little while now, and I yeah. said, well, how long? And he said, about, about 10 years. Yeah. And I thought, wow. Yeah. But I couldn't help yeah. Because the first thing that came through my mind is, I don't think I'm going to make it 10 years. But the, the, now I think I might. Yeah. But the second thing was, um, that came to my mind was, ask him, is it hard? Like, did you ever have days where you're just like, I just don't want to do it? Because the guy just like emanates like greatness and emanates this, of course I want to be in the Bible. And many times we start on Thursday morning. We start every time on Thursday morning at 645. He's already done his time before we start at 645. Yeah. So I'm like, this guy just like, he must love it, and eat, live, eat, and breathe it. And I remember asking that, and he goes, he goes absolutely, it's hard. Yeah. Um, he said, most days I just really want to do it. I'm excited. But similar to what you talked about with Daniel and what you've talked about in this series, he said, many times I just had to decide there's no way I'm going to become this person of oak. Like you can't yeah. manufacture that. Yeah. Like the Alex Gordon sermon you did where he came up in that big moment of his career, the biggest of bad of his life, and he hits a home run. He didn't just suddenly manufacture that skill at that moment, right? It was, it was years of making the decision, I'm, I'm going to work at it, I'm going to become that. And that imagery of me knowing as I went into that process, like, that it's not like it's just going to be easy. I'm going to have to work at it. But I can handle that if I know where I'm going. This yeah. mindset of I want to be that person of oak, and there's no way I can get there with, yeah. without it. Yeah. You know, one yeah. of the, um, the last thing I'll mention is one of the, uh, the added benefits for me that I didn't really expect um, was as we started to do this process, um, I would go down every morning and and I would start the process, and my son would oftentimes come down, you know, and he's four years old, and his hair would be real messy, you know, he just got up and kind of rubbing his eyes. He started to ask me, like, what are you doing, you know, and it yeah. started to strike up some really good conversations. But 
I remember as he started to go through it, he's like, Dad, where are you at in, in your process? And he grabbed my Bible and he put his finger in there. You know, be like, oh, you're, you're, like, you're almost like halfway, you know. And then a couple months later, he would, he would do it again. And, and it got to be a point where he was kind of celebrating the progress with me. And we have this um, thing in our house we call Rocky moments, like Rocky Balboa, you know. Like when someone's struggling with something, like a, it's an issue in our house with one of our kids aren't excelling in, a way, in an area they should. Maybe it's respect or maybe it's discipline or something. That when they finally overcome that, um, we put all the kids in a room and we put the kid who overcomes something on the, bio, uh, on the bed and mom's on one side and dad's on the other and we lift his this, this hands up, you know, and, and say, you know, you did it and celebrate it, you That's know, great. make a big deal out of it. And, and that was kind of a, a rocky moment for me, you know, where he comes yeah. up and he's all yeah. excited and everything. And, and then I remember, this is funny, <laughs> he said, Dad, you didn't really finish because I was done, but he said, what are these last few pages? And I'm like, that, that's maps, son. You know, that's where the maps are. You know, he's like, oh, there's maps, you know, and so he quickly moved on. <laughs> but it was just a cool moment. Yeah. And, and I think um, for all of us here, if you've ever been like me where you've said, man, this is a struggle, like I've never really gotten to a rhythm, the number one thing I hope you leave here excited about is um, you absolutely can do it. You know, it's, it's yeah. absolutely something I feel like after going through it for years now and the people in our small group would say, um, don't base like your, your past history of always struggling and thinking, man, it's hard. I think it makes all the difference in the world, just like anything in life, when we approach it with like a clear target of becoming people that are wise and knowing that it's only going to happen through that way. And most importantly, approaching it with a distinct plan of, okay, 15 minutes, one thing, and God yeah. speak to me about this one thing. Um, I, I'm, and I think the other thing is so exciting is when we did this, we didn't have the church, you know, all behind it. Yeah. Now it's like we, we come every Sunday, we have sermons based on what we just read. We have the, the whole church behind us as a group doing it together. And I think that really is going to make it a fun process for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, yeah. Kyle. Yeah, sure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. You can, you can give him a hand. All right. All right. Thanks so much. So let me, let me just track through this with you real quickly. Uh, on, on your service program bulletin, you've got, uh, you know, we normally have prayer requests. On the back side of that, we have 365 survey. We'd love to have you fill this out. It would help us know who would like to be in a 365 community group. Uh, we have a, a bunch of community groups right now, uh, hundreds of people in, in small groups, and, uh, and they're looking at doing this, but we also want to provide an opportunity for anybody who's not in a, in a group. Uh, and so, and, if, and I'll tell you what, it makes all the difference in the world. It just helps so much to be in a group of people who are encouraging you along the way in this, in this challenge that we've got. So we'd love to have you fill this out. You can start doing that right now if, you, if you'd like. And you can leave it as, in a bucket as you go out or leave it uh, on the um, um, Connection Corner just outside here. You can also uh, go online, our website, uh, click the uh, 365 uh, icon that we've created for this this whole adventure we're going on, and uh, you can uh, you can fill that this form out there. If you don't do it today, you'd rather wait. Uh, think about it, and then you have this uh, reading plan on your chair. Uh, so, something really fun happened after first service. I had a guy come up to me who's read through the Bible. I, uh, he became a Christian years ago, and he started reading the Bible right away. And he said, Steve, you, you're, doing, you're doing really well with this until September 20th. And I go, what? And he said, yeah, on September 20th, you have uh, everybody reading like three chapters, so they're regular reading, and then reading Psalm 119. 
If anybody's ever read Psalm 119, it's got like a million verses in it. You know, it's like you could read that for a year. And uh, so we're always going to be adjusting this a little bit, so don't worry, all right? But um, uh, you can also download, go to the same icon, 365, and you can download the whole, whole deal. And, uh, and then what I'm going to be doing with each, we're going to be doing a bunch of different sets of sermons. So I'm gonna, we're going to start one at the beginning of the year called the Torah. It's on the first, nine sermons on the first five books of the Bible. We'll give you another reading plan to go with that. I encourage you, purchase the Divine Mentor. You can get it today in the Connection Corner. We have about 200 left. For, so first come, first serve, and they're only 10 bucks uh, to do that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, uh,